Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. All right, everybody, welcome back into the early line here on SportsGrid. Hour number two, where Dane and Kevin are going to go into a specific team and try to find you some value. You know, Kev, we have been talking about the Arizona Cardinals a lot, you know, kind of in this offseason. They've made some big moves. You know, they're primed. Many people believe, you know, second-year quarterback, second-year head coach. They made huge moves in the offseason, and we're going to get into that. I did want to ask you one thing, though. Yesterday, when we talked about the Rams, Aaron Donald was the favorite for Uh uh, defensive player of the year. Right. He's kind of the favorite every year. Right. Mm -hmm. He's one of those guys. We made the analogy to like, you know, Mike Trout can win it every year. You just got to give someone else once. Right. Uh, LeBron won it almost every year. They had to give KD one. Michael Mm -hmm. Jordan won it every year. They had to get Malone one, even Mm -hmm. though that was the impetus for Jordan's uh, aggression. Shall we say, are we at that same place in the NFL right now? Like J.J. Watt had that award for years and years, and then along came Aaron Donald, and everybody kind of acknowledges that Aaron Donald is like on his own level to himself. Are we now in the same place with that? Like Aaron Donald, we all know is the best damn defensive player in the league, but we kind of like got to find ways to get someone else the award every now and then? Yeah, yes, and also I think what worked against him specifically last year is they weren't a playoff team. And I think winning defensive player of the year and not being a playoff team is very, very difficult. Mm. And I mean, Aaron Donald has monster, monster numbers, right? Um, all, always, all the time, forever. But that Patriots defense last year was yeah. absolutely special. Um, like, you look at the numbers, like they had like a historic ranking. Now, some of that might have been feasting on some, some poor teams. At One, least early on, they, yeah. I will get you to give me your theory on the Sam Darnold ghost game, um, but I guess not today. I, anyway, um, so Gilmore kind of got it. I think should have never went over the airwaves. That's my thought. <sighs> no, I mean like I get that. It's just it was it was on the heels yeah. of him lighting up the Cowboys. That's what I don't understand. Like if it was his first game back from injury, right? Then it's like of course this all makes sense. But he lit up the Cowboys and then just. Looked like he was throwing the game. I don't disagree. With you. I felt bad for him that it went over the airways. I totally, I, I totally agree with you there. That's just why that game I will never forget. Because mm-hmm. I, like, if I could make sense of it, Dane, right? Like, oh, whatever. Yeah, just he shouldn't have been out there. So you're telling me Stefan Gilmore is your defensive player of the year, or what? No, no, no. I'm basically this is all <laughs> just me talking about how good the past defense was last year. But yeah, yeah. No, I think I think now Donald's got a really good chance this year because he has the chance to get his third DPOY. Yeah, which has only been done. I don't know where you land on J.J. Watt, but mm-hmm. to me, he's been a locked-in Hall of Famer for years now because he's got three Defensive Player of the Years. The only other person that has three is Lawrence Taylor, right. and I think we all know, you know, who Lawrence Taylor. I mean, yeah. when it comes to you know LT. So to me, if Aaron Donald gets that mark, and I think it's a mark that he is certainly worthy of, you know, it's kind yeah. of going to be something that further solidifies what is already this lock Hall of Fame case. One of the best defensive players, like, of all time, right? Deserves yeah. to be talked about yeah. um, in the category with some of these names you mentioned, you know, Reggie White, Lawrence Taylor. I bring it up because I found something interesting. You mentioned also to me in these futures bets, sometimes you like to grab two or three, right? Cover more yeah. than just one. And I just saw something that was so incredible. The top 10 choices for Defensive Player of the Year, okay? Going all the way to like 25 to one, okay? What if I told you, Kev, that of the top 10 choices, four of them share two last names. There's two sets of brothers in the top 10. Do you know the last names? Yes, you do. Oh, it's gotta be the Watts. The Watts are one, yeah, JJ and TJ. What's the other last name where there are two of the top 10 choices for Defensive Player of the Year. Are they actually brothers, or is it yes. just the same list? Yes. That's the only thing I can think Absolutely. of. Absolutely. Boza. Boza. Oh, of course the Boza. Is the name. Okay. Nick and Joey Boza. TJ and JJ Watt. Yeah. 
yeah. are all within the top 10 choices for Defensive Player of the Year. I just found that interesting. Yeah. If I asked you to cover the Watts or the Boses, which would you cover in a futures bet? If you could have both Watts or yeah. both, I mean, it's it's even almost. No. You know, Nick Boza is the highest of all three of them. Of all yeah. four, excuse so me. That's, and then, just, so Boza, Nick Boza, 13 to one, the third choice. Mm -hmm. TJ Watt, the fourth choice. Ahead of his brother, JJ, by the way, which I find interesting. TJ Watt, 15 to one, JJ Watt, 18 to one, and then Joey Boza is still in there at like 23 to one, a legitimate option. Yeah. Would you take the Bozas or the Watts? Give me the Bozas. I just have to say, this is funny. Um, not to pull the curtain too far back for people, right? right? But I, I didn't know we were going to go down this DPOY road sure. until we're now down it. I just so happened yesterday to be having a post-show so, post self-conversation about what my defensive player of the year ballot, like preseason ballot gotcha. would look like. So I'm you more than prepared. You got what, what? I've got I've got Nick at two. So really? to me, last year he was ridiculous. I mean, he was just ridiculous. Like the fact of the matter is, he might be better than his brother now. Not like oh, better than his brother was rookie year. Better right. than his brother now. And his brother, you see where his brother is projected in the defensive player of the year. Young is better than both of them. But go ahead. Yeah, no, what a ridiculous world we live in. Um, but the thing is, so for Bosa to be in year two now, and yeah. the chance to expand on that, and the thing is about that Niners team is because I do believe that they're going to still be one of the best teams in football. And you're always trying to find ways to divvy up credit. Now, maybe it'll be Kyle Shanahan coach of the year. But if he didn't get it last year, I think it's going to – I don't know. Maybe Kyle just never gets the award. It's not going to be Garoppolo. Not, George Kittle's not getting MVP. Right, gets you the look credit. Through it. They yeah, you look to the defensive side of the ball. And Richard Sherman last year was incredible. Um, but it's not as easy for corners yeah. to win the award. Um, so Patrick got votes last year. He sure did. I mean, look, Stuff and Gilmore won the award. Right. Like, it's not that guys can't. It's just, it's 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 easier for people to see the stats and just be like, that's the defensive player of the year of sacks. It's just always easier. Right. Uh, or force fumbles, those big plays. And I think Nick Bosa has the chance to make them. If I had to throw you a corner, though, right? A, corner? A, a corner, right? who I think actually has a case. Now, this is where you, you get in the, the dangers of a biased world, but that's right. why I'll, I'll ask you. I think Darius Slay for two reasons. Hmm. One, you don't get the nickname Big Play Slay accidentally. Yeah. So he's not the Darrell Revis corner who they refuse to look at him, and then there are no numbers because right. nobody's in his way, right? Like, they'll still maybe tr try and throw his way. If he's up there in interception leaders at the cornerback position, that'll be big. What's big for Slay, though, is he has a potential narrative that can be attached yeah. to win this award. And he was the reason. The Eagles secondary has been dreadful yeah. for years. Yeah. And he can now come in. And if the because the thing is the Eagles secondary should be taking a leap. Not only with him coming in, but Nikel Colby yeah. Roman, the defensive right. line remains incredible. Like the Eagles, for the first time in what feels like my life, which is a massive exaggeration, might have a secondary that doesn't make me want to pull my hair out. And if Darius Slay ends up taking a lion's share of credit for that because he's the new man that arrived, right. like if I had to throw out there like a dark, a dark horse yeah. DPOI candidate, Darius Slay would probably be the guy. And Darius Slay is 60 to 1, okay? You got to scroll way down to find him. 60 to 1. He's got the same odds just for just for context as Chase Young um, and as Chris Jones. <laughs> And it's Chris Jones. Um, so that's an interesting. And to your point about the production of a secondary member, as opposed to, say, like an interior lineman, Darius Slay is 60 to 1. Kevin, what if I told you about another person who I know you love? Fletcher Cox is 70 to 1. Okay. Can we so that's acknowledge? a little bit ridiculous, because in my opinion, Aaron yeah. Donald has gone so far out in front, right, yeah. that it's kind of ridiculous. But Fletcher Cox is dominant. If there were no Aaron Donald in the NFL, people would be talking about Fletcher Cox mm -hmm. in a similar way. Like if you look at PFF grades and things of that nature, Fletcher Cox was also, you know, leaps and bounds ahead of the field. It's just that somehow Aaron Donald was leaps and bounds ahead of him. But to the point about the positional uh, value here and this kind of award and where the where the prestige comes from, to your point, Slay is 60 to 1, Fletcher Cox is 70 to 1. I just have to say, though, like this is something that really puts into perspective how good Aaron Donald is. Yeah. Because I'm pretty sure, like, if you were to say the top three interior defensive linemen in the league, it might be Donald, Jones, and Cox. Now, I don't know how the, lot, odds board, but yeah. um, the odds board lines up, 
but I think those might be, and I'm talking about like just your pure D tackles, right? Because Watt yeah. is a little bit more, sure. I feel like, up an edge guy. Yeah. Um, Aaron Donald is the favorite. Yeah. Chris Jones is 60 to 1. I heard someone put it this way, and I thought it was very, very well said. Aaron Donald doing what he does right. at his position in the interior yep. would be comparable yep. to like George Kittle having Michael Thomas's season last right. year. It's yep. just unhurt. It's right. so ridiculous what Aaron Donald does. Mm-hmm. And you have to also factor that into the conversation that like when you look at him, his peers, he hardly has peers on the defensive side of the football. Right. But from an interior perspective, I mean, he is already unequivocally the great, like he has to just be. I mean, I don't, I don't want to go too far and get in arguments about things I don't know about, you know, 1970s and 60s. Sure, sure, sure. But, like, I mean, just interior defensive line, just what he's able to do, man, is it, just – it's otherworldly. It's otherworldly. It is. You know, comparing errors would be tough, though, because yeah. in this passing league, the idea of what the defensive lineman does is different. But let's get back on the Cardinals here. They are our spotlight. We've been talking about wide receivers. We've been talking about pieces of the pie to grab. One of the biggest moves the Cardinals made – this season was acquiring DeAndre Hopkins, okay? And and D-Hop, I don't know if you saw this, Kevin, D-Hop thinks that in this new situation with this high-octane offense as the new number one here in Arizona, that he's going to have an increase in his production this year, an increase from what, I ask you. You know, he's already literally one of the best wide receivers in football. Here's his quote, check this out, on being in a pass-happy offense. So myself, being a receiver, of course I see my stats going up. But I definitely see myself having one of my most productive seasons. Percent chance D-Hop actually increases his numbers this year? Actually, a pretty good chance. Because mm. last year he was a touchdown from where you would expect Hopkins. He actually only had seven touchdowns. Uh, his yards, his total yards was down um, a little more than 400 total yards, even took a step back in receptions by 11. Now, he did play one less game, um, but I think it, the other side of that coin, though, right, is mm-hmm. like one of the things that Hopkins has feasted on in Houston is there still being this considerable gap between him and the rest of the weapons. And not yeah. that that's not true in Arizona, but they're just you like, Kirk, like... You like like Larry? Yeah, Kirk, Larry, Andy Isabella's uh, a great guy, I'm sure. I don't know. He had a he had a he had that great play against the Niners. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they always well, talk. They drafted early last year. Yeah, like there's just a lot of weapons there. But you'd think that that could lead to Hopkins maybe seeing the friendliest coverage right. in his career. Yeah, which is why you want to talk about guys that can lead the league in touchdowns. DeAndre Hopkins has to be right at the top of that list. Yeah, absolutely. We think there is potential for this offense. Is there potential for the defense to take a step forward? We look at the roster. We look at the futures bets. We look at the schedule of the Arizona Cardinals when we come back. Keep it locked. We're giving you the edge right here on SportsGrid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back into the early line. Dane and Kevin shining a light on the Arizona Cardinals today. We talked about DeAndre Hopkins a lot already, and if there's still, like, room in the tank for him to do even better. I'll got to tell you the truth. Over the last few years, I have literally called on this network, I have called DeAndre Hopkins the best wide receiver in the NFL. And part of the reason I believe so is, you know, Michael Thomas has had Drew Brees his entire career, right? Uh, Julio Jones has had an MVP and Matt Ryan his entire career. DeAndre Hopkins at the beginning of his career was piecing it together with Brock Osweiler, Ryan Fitzpatrick, TJ Yates, and other names that I literally cannot even think of. He's had, you know, obviously Deshaun Watson. Now he has Kyla Murray. We'll see if he gets even more production this year. But let's look at their draft, okay? Because I think their draft was very interesting, Kevin. We thought that they were going to go offensive tackle early on, right, to protect the developing quarterback. It seems like that was in their plans, Mm. but they got lucky waiting, still getting Josh Jones early third round with their second draft pick. But they got a guy that we think can be an incredible, versatile Swiss Army knife on defense for them, Talk to me about Isaiah Simmons and his fit and his value potentially to improving this Cardinals defense. 
Yeah, Isaiah Simmons, I think, is someone that, if used correctly, can actually maybe be the best defensive player in this class. And yes, I know Chase Young is in this class. Like Isaiah Simmons and what he brings to the table from a versatility standpoint, it just has this feel of the future of the NFL on the defensive side of the football. With that being said, I also have some concerns because from a pure athleticism standpoint, he's not Derwin James. So it is paramount then that the team that has Isaiah uh, Simmons uses him appropriately And I'm already fearful that the Cardinals will not be using him appropriately. They keep stressing that he is going to play one position, that he is just going to be from, you know, what they're saying, a linebacker. And that's all he's going to do. I believe the quote, uh, man, it was laughable, Uh, but I believe it was, oh, you know, you saw how good he was playing all those positions. Imagine how good he'll be just playing one position. You're just (laughs) completely missing the point, yeah. like the fact that you would completely go left, right, in your draft plans because this guy's on the board, but then not understand what makes him worth that pick at eight. Right, is that versatility? Right. Yeah. Is is Brett very, Venable very upsetting? Brett Venable yeah, and sure did. Sure did. Like, yeah. I think you're right. But here's the thing: we all have designs on the Cardinals' offense being that sexy breakout, right? Year two, they get D-hop, but on defense, this is where it's going to matter, you know, for this Cardinals. If they actually take a step as a team, they were literally last in the NFL last year in terms of yards given up a game, over 402, I believe. This is a defense that gives up 27.6 points a game. That was good for 27th. In the NFL, they have to make strides on the defensive side of the ball. They're not going to just, you know, outscore everyone. We think it can be somewhat dynamic, but, you know, they're going to need a little bit more. What about a guy like Fotu, who they drafted in the fourth round, another defensive tackle out of Utah? They doubled down. Lawrence, another defensive tackle out of LSU. It looks to me like they did go heavy on the front seven in the draft, but this is where they need to make progress, Kevin. Yeah, 100%. And I think uh, Patrick Peterson did miss some of those games in the beginning of the season with a suspension. So you'd have to hope having Pat Pete for uh, a full wealth of games can certainly help this football team. And I do think that Vance Joseph is a good defensive coordinator. Anybody that can take a defensive coordinator job and turn it into a head coach position um, has to be good at their defensive coordinator job, considering uh, how often it is the offensive minds that take those positions. It is a good question, though, as to whether the talent is there for this group to be enough for the Cardinals to make the full leap. Right. Like, you know, I think their offense is going to be good. OK, let's let if we assume that, you know, they got to move from like, you know, 27th in points per game for them to really make hay and be a playoff contender. They got to get to, you know, middle of the league. Right. They got to get to, you know, in the in the middle 10. You know, somewhere if they if they move up to 16 in the league, that could be enough for them to, you know, help out the offense enough. Let's look at their futures numbers here because I think they're very interesting. I want to see where you land initially and then we'll do game by game as always. Their win total is seven. Okay, and by the way, that's the lowest in this division. Remember, we did the Rams yesterday. They were eight, eight and a half. So their win total is seven on the number. Even juice kind of on both sides. They the books do not think this is a playoff team. Minus 310, no playoffs for the Arizona Cardinals. If you think they could contend as a playoff team, plus 240 is a big-time number for that. They're the worst choice in their division at 9-1. to one. If you think Kyla Murray can take this huge step, he's 23-1 to one to win the NFL MVP in year two uh, in a dynamic offense. Now throwing a D-hop, right? Um, if you think... Cliff Kingsbury, and boy, I want to hear what you thought about his crib during the draft. We have the picture of that up right now. Cliff Kingsbury is like the fifth or sixth choice to win coach of the year because if they do take this step in the same way Sean McVay got all the props, Cliff Kingsbury would get all the props. He's 18-1 to to win coach of the year. Their win total, their playoff positioning, what do you think? What ponds are you fishing in for the future of the Cardinals? Yeah, they're a real, real interesting team. Um, you know, I kind of remember how some people uh, after the draft were like, man, could the NFC West uh, put the whole division right. in the postseason, which is now like the first time that could actually be a thing? I don't necessarily think so. I, I still think that they're um, – that while I believe that this team is going to take strides forward – 
you know, that's a bottom yeah. eight team taking strides forward. Right. Not, you know, again, in maybe the toughest division in football, asking them to find themselves into the postseason is a very, very, in my opinion, difficult ask for this team. So as I scan the board and I, I look for value, right? Uh, you know, again, I don't think they're going to be good enough for Kyler to an MVP, but I want them mm-hmm. on the fantasy teams. If they are good enough, Cliff Kingsbury won't be coach of the year, I don't think, because McVay came in and took the worst offense in football to one of the best offenses in football. We can see the talent that sits there for this football team, I think, no doubt about it. DeAndre Hopkins, could he be maybe an offensive player of the year, the award that I would like to see take a full transition? The non-quarterback award? I'd like to see it take a full transition into a non-QB award, personally. Uh, I think it'd be a good way, then, to award um, the skill position 41 players. 41 to 1 for D-Hop. 41 and, to 1. And I think that's some fair value for a guy that I'm talking about potentially leading the league in touchdowns and could get a decent amount of credit potentially for steps forward taken in Arizona. Enough, he's 41 to 1. He's the second wide receiver on the board behind only Michael Thomas. Yeah. Uh, excuse me. He's the same odds as Chris Godwin. Chris Godwin. Uh, you want to talk about uh, a bet that I will gladly book. Right. Gladly. There's anybody that wants to bet Chris Godwin to win offensive player of the year. Over D-Hop, right? <laughs> Please. Um, so the best futures bet that I saw is not yeah, one that you that. mentioned, but it's a cop-out. It's DeAndre Hopkins over eight and a half touchdowns. The very, okay. very specific bet that you can find on the board. It's like minus 120. But in terms of the wins and in terms of the playoffs, I must say, I think you are a very, very risky man if you were to go out there and bet minus 310 for this team to miss the postseason. Everything I just said included. With an offense that has this kind of a ceiling in the 2020 NFL, you just could not get There's me to lay. There's a team every year also, right? That takes a dramatic team. step forward offensively, Absolutely. right? Think about the Rams recently. You know, I mean, right. And, and could Arizona be that team this year? I kind of think it's very possible. Here's the big thing that Arizona has going for them. Remember when we did the Packers? Yeah. And they, were, they got off to like a three and five start. Right. And we're like, man, this could be disastersville right there. If you take a peek at that opening Cardinals schedule, okay, through four weeks, I think a lot of people would probably tell you that they're three and one. Maybe not everybody, but I think there's a fair amount of people that might tell you that they're three and one. That's a really hot start with week five, uh, them playing the New York Jets. And the Jets will vary in opinion from person to person. Now, I'm not saying that this is how I have this season necessarily going, but if any team starts the year four and one, because they always give these type of numbers out, Dane, yeah. but the percentage of that team right, that they the playoff, qualify for the playoffs yeah, right. is just ridiculous. It is just ridiculous how frequently a team that would start four and one yeah. is going to be able to go to the postseason. Hmm. So am I lining up to throw a yes bet on a team that I don't think is going to make the playoffs? Plus 40, though, that's good value. I agree with you. That's And that, I, I agree with you that it's good value, and I think that that – Win total of seven, boy, does it feel like I'm going to have this team seven and nine. Right, right. We can just fast forward right now. You're going to have them seven and nine. We'll do the exercise. We'll look at our diamonds and fugazis. I would be remiss, though, if I didn't throw out, you know, we do our prep on every team that we see. I got to tell you something, Kevin. I saw the most incredible stat ever. You know, right up there with, like, you know, Mickey Mantle, like, uh, had more – uh, something like three homer games than strikeouts in his career. You know, something it's crazy like that. Listen to this, okay? Larry Fitzgerald, in his career, are you ready for this? Has recorded more tackles than drops. Yeah. In I mean, what? Larry Fitzgerald has recorded 39 tackles. And this has to be what? Like tackling someone who intercepted it or recovered a fumble? He ain't playing special teams. Okay. He has more tackles than drops in his career 39 tackles, 29 drops. It's not even close. (laughs) Okay. So literally, the man averages like two drops a season and like three tackles a season. You know, we all find nuggets and stats. And I see sometimes on social media, you see sometimes put up other ways. When I saw that, I literally had to take a double take and be like, what? 
did he ever play both ways? What are we talking yeah, about here? What are you missing? Can you just speak to the amazingness of that stat? And ultimately, Larry Fitzgerald, who has a chance to finish his career number two all time in most categories behind only Jerry Rice. Yeah, um, and I'm assuming you bring this up because you think Larry Fitz is a good DPOY bet, and I'd have to agree <laughs> clearly as a tackle machine. Look, Larry Fitzgerald is a point blank Hall of Famer. Larry Fitzgerald uh, made, you know, is an all decade team guy. Larry Fitz has been doing it forever. And, you know, I'm personally, you know, I'm pro player movement, especially like in the NFL, because there's no, you can't do a super team, I don't think, in the NFL. I don't think that that's possible. Well, your Eagles thought they could. Uh, please don't ever. Oh, man. <laughs> Sorry. I, I didn't mean to but open it was a... Vince Young. It was Vince, like the balls on the, the back. Who was quarterback. the cornerback that they got? Namdi Asamoah. Asamoah thought that, you know, he was going to bring it on home. But I digress. Larry Fitzgerald would never come out and say something like that. Now would he? No, not only that, though, but Larry Fitz always said, I am staying in Arizona, man. And we're like, Larry, you're still here? Like, go. People, the only time I've ever heard people openly root for someone to go to New England has been Larry Fitzgerald. That's how loved this dude is. I mean. He is. He's just the best. You can't find anyone to say a bad thing about Larry Fitzgerald. Talk and about deserve- doing it the right way. And now he's going to be like in the slot and the number three receiver potentially for this team. Let's see how far of a jump the Cardinals take. We'll go game by game when we come back. It's the early line right here on SportsGrid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back to the early line right here on SportsGrid. Dane and Kevin trying to find some value on the Arizona Cardinals. This is a team that intrigues us a ton, both from the fantasy production side and could they be the sexy team that takes a leap forward? I know a lot of people are starting to think so. We're going to find out if Kevin is among them. Kevin, they got two primetime games um, and they're on the road for Mm -hmm. both of them. So we will remember that, you know, it's like the league wants them on primetime, but not giving them the home game just yet. You mentioned that they may start hot. Mm -hmm. I don't know if week one is them starting off hot. They start on the road to San Francisco. That's a tough draw right out the gate. Yeah, it is. And and it's a game that I have to pick the Niners in, but I remember uh, I I made a note um, at the time the spread was eight and a half because they had week one available. And I said that that number, I don't know if it's moved. I just remember saying to myself, that number's too high. And I Mm. will take the Cardinals plus the points in that scenario, because last year they played the Niners very, very tough. And I think that they're now a better football team. So why wouldn't they do it again? Yeah, absolutely. So just to, just to check you on this, you would take the points if it's a touchdown or more, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Would you do it at six or six and a half? No, then I'd stay off the game. So it's about a touchdown, right? That you need, but regardless, you have them starting off. zero and one, but then you've referenced, you got them getting hot for the rest of September. They've go home. Right, And the next two teams, they welcome teams that are favored to be in last place in their division coming to town. Week two, it's Washington. Week three, it's Detroit. You think they get both of them? Absolutely. I don't know how you really couldn't, right? And I think this is kind of – this is it, this is what I'm talking about. Yeah. Like they're going to be favorites in those games. Not overwhelming favorites, but I would say over field goal favorites in those games for sure. And if they're able to handle business – then this, you know, can get them, you know, maybe the ball starts rolling a little bit for them. Fair enough. I remember we've talked about this schedule a bunch also. I remember that primetime game against Dallas that is coming up, but it is coming up at the end of three straight road games. I have mentioned this a bunch about the Arizona Cardinals schedule, and here it comes. Weeks four, five, and six, a three-game road trip at Carolina, 1 o'clock Eastern, at the Jets, one o'clock Eastern, and then Monday night football at Dallas against the Cowboys week six. How do you think they get through this stretch? Yeah, so week four, I do have them beating the Panthers, keeping a little bit of the momentum. Carolina's returning actually from a West Coast trip themselves, playing the Chargers the week before. This week five game, to me, is one of the turning point type of games on the slate here. I think a lot of people, right, if again, without the full context, Give me the Cardinals. They're better than the Jets. Probably. The Jets are not only home. They're off a mini-buy having played Thursday Ah. night against the Denver Broncos. It's a schedule win to me for the Jets. Uh, And then there's nothing for me. 
to think about when it comes to week six, as this is now the third straight road right. game for the Monday Cardinals night. playing a ridiculously difficult team in the Dallas Cowboys. That's so that now is a, a stretch of one and two. Right. For the Cardinals. So that makes them three and three on the season. You had them two and one. Yep. Then this stretch, it's a tough stretch. Not many teams have three straight road games, especially this early in the season. So you have them standing at three and three. They do come back home after that, but it's not like they get to lick their wounds much at all. Remember, because yeah. it's a Monday night, so a short week. And, you know, it's a physical matchup coming to town. It's Danger Russ and the Seahawks coming into Arizona. So this is where the schedule makers sometimes aren't too kind. Boy, would they like, you know, say the Miami matchup, right, in this spot here to get a win. Unfortunately, not only are they on that short week that you mentioned, the Seahawks are off of their bye. And it's also difficult because Seattle, three straight years, have traveled off their bye and won all three times. So the Seahawks take care of business in this spot. It's, it's again, it's another schedule type of loss for the Cardinals. All right, fair enough. So they go under 500 to three and four. You're talking about how the schedule flow and, yeah. you know, really hurts the Cardinals mm-hmm. on some levels. Here's, there's a stretch where I think it helps them though, Kev, right? Yes. Cause after week seven, they have the bye. Mm-hmm. They have the week eight bye, and then they have back-to-back home games yep. of interconference, non-familiar opponents traveling east to west to mm-hmm. come see them. Okay. So just for context here, they play the Seahawks at home on October 25th. They don't leave Arizona again until November 19th and they stay in the same time zone. So it's a full month. And after the bye, they have the Dolphins coming in, mm-hmm. followed by the Bills coming in in their next two games, weeks nine and 10. How do you think they do in that stretch? Yeah, so the Finns one won't divide any opinion. I like the Cardinals off a bye at home. For me, again, at at home, off a bye is almost always going to be a win. But I've also got them beating the Buffalo Bills here. I've tried to factor in the rest of a bye week for more than just one week, which the Cardinals will have, and the Bills are actually That's why I mentioned they're staying home for that big-time stretch, too. the, The Bills are playing their last game before their bye. So to this point, they've not had any breaks Ah. in play as Buffalo. So it's a nice win for the Cardinals to try and get their, you know, momentum back. All right. So five and four. Okay. Five and four after nine games, definitively still kind of live, right? Mm -hmm. Then they have a tough stretch, two straight road games that start with the short week of travel in an unfriendly place at Seattle on the short week. Right, and that's just the problem. I mean, the uh, schedule – think about – we talked about how kind the, the schedule was to the Chiefs in yeah. division. Oh, essentially, the exact opposite yep. seems to be true here for this Cardinals team. Seattle at home on a short week, hard not to go with the Seahawks. Okay, then they have the mini-buy. Yes. But they are traveling. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they travel across country, but, you know, they have the luxury maybe to arrive early, get that body clock right. This is an interesting game to me because I don't know where this team is going to be at this point in the season, but they go to Gillette to take on the Patriots in week 12. Yeah, uh, it's it's a game that gives me a lot of pause yeah. because of that mini buy and the Cardinals. I mean, the Cardinals could be considered a tier better than the Pats because maybe the Pats season has fallen apart, but also maybe not. I, I can't disrespect Foxborough. Okay too much i'm leaning patriots here but this was a game that uh, it it pulled me for sure and i i i'll tell you another thing i'll just quickly say this with the patriots i found myself giving them more respect than i thought i would i Uh I don't know if it was just cowardly of me i don't know what it was but i think if you would have asked me that same spot two weeks back i would have been like Mm. yeah cardinals no questions asked there is something about New England, what they were able to do defensively last year, that pushed me towards uh, them in that spot. And that's fair, but remember, a lot of that defense is gone, Kevin. You know, Jamie Collins, yeah. gone. Kyle no, Van Noy, sure. gone. You know, so I think it's an open question. What are the Patriots this yeah, year? I and remember, we're almost finished with this division, right? So next week, we will turn our attention to the AFC East, and we'll be able to get Kevin's answer game by game for the Patriots as well. Mm-hmm. But you have them losing in this trip to New England. That makes them 5-6 and six on the season. Yeah. They come home. Ironically, they have not played the Rams just yet, who I know you and I are thinking about, you know, how these guys go heads up in this division. They come home week 13 with the Rams coming to town. So they get them at home first. Yeah, and, and it's a big spot for them to get them at home. Uh, if you remember when we talked about the Rams, the Rams are coming off uh, this ridiculous stretch of having, I think, played the Bucks, the Seahawks, and the Aye. Niners in like three straight weeks. So it's a really, really nice spot for Arizona, the rare um, friend of the schedule 
this go around. All right, fair enough. Then they go across country to New York to see the Giants in week 14. This is comparable, actually, to the spot that your Jets find themselves in, where the yep. Cardinals have to come to this exact right. building twice. They got to go at New York, and at New York, they don't yeah. have the luxury of staying in town. Uh, they got to do it in, you know, once in October, once in December. Yeah, I'm going to still lean Arizona, partly because they ripped them to shreds last right. year Chase in Edmonds this building. Yeah, I, so part of that is leaning me towards uh, towards this uh, Cardinals football team. Okay, so listen, that could be a big game for them. That makes them 7-6. and six. Yeah. Okay, so now as we have the final stretch of three games, right, mm -hmm. these are going to be games that are important to them, that they're live in. They're going to be in the, like, in the hunt graphic that yeah. we see yeah, right, as yeah, we go yeah. into this. And that's going to change it. It's a tough stretch, but they get two in a row at home. Okay? OK, your Eagles come to town, but they are flying east to west and all that stuff. And then the Niners come to town. You think I mean, these are two, you know, strong NFC teams. But if the Cardinals are what you think they are, maybe they get one of these. Uh, do you have them picking off the Eagles or the Niners at home in this stretch? Man, is it tough? Man, is it is it tough? So Philly is on the heels of that game against New Orleans. That mm. should be a schedule win for the Eagles. If you remember, New Orleans would be playing their third straight road game in that spot. Right. But that's still got to be a tough game, man. I mean, that has to be a tough game. Your You're boy now... Derek Slay will be tested, huh? Yeah, no, you ain't <laughs> kidding, man. And then having to go to Arizona, I mean, man, it's a game that splits me. In, in, this, in this spot right here, I'm going to lean Cardinals. Okay, and then what about San Fran? That's I'm I, I'm gonna so go. So you give him the split here, right? Yeah, I'm giving him the split because the Niners at least stay west. All right, and then they finish it up with a trip to Los Angeles. All right, to see the Rams. They close it out with the Rams. You have I, I won't tell you what to have them. What do you have? Yeah. Uh, week 17. We've got Los the Rams. I remember the Rams getting this one yesterday, and I think that's still where I lean for sure. All right, so their number is seven on the number, Kevin. You have this team going eight and eight. You have this team going eight and uh, eight, all right, which is taking a step forward. Okay, yeah. remember, this team drafted in the top ten. This is Kyla Murray as a second-year quarterback, potentially taking a step. Now with the context of seeing the ebbs and flows of their schedule, we did the – where did you have the Rams yesterday? I think ten and six. Okay. Um, so this would be – and I – you know, we'll talk about the Niners and the Seahawks, but I – I'm going to expect yeah, that yeah, you have both yeah. of those teams winning more than eight games and kind of being in your playoff picture. We'll, mm -hmm. we'll see um, later on in the week. But this is a team then that goes eight and eight. What say you now in terms of some of the futures values? Is this – that's still over seven, but it's yeah. probably not a playoff team. This kind of 500 performance does not get MVP consideration no. for a second-year quarterback. So now what are you trying to do? But I agree with you, eight and eight. I ain't laying minus 310 for that team to not make the playoffs right. either. So no, what do you think? I, I agree. I, I, you know, I looked through this schedule, and the home victories over both Philly and Buffalo are, are nice wins, right, which are, are very, very reasonable, though. Um, you know, the road, though, not as kind to them, right, at the Jets on a mini-buy, Dallas third straight road game, at Seattle on a short week. You know, and the New England trips a mini buy, but it's west to east, and it's yeah. still Foxborough. You only had them getting one game in division, also. You have the yeah. Niners sweeping them. Yeah, I did. You have I them did splitting with and the Rams, but I don't. Right. I think you have Seattle beating them both times. Yeah, and see, well, Seattle gets them Thursday night. Right, on in the road, Seattle, and then and right then, after that, back-to-back-to-back to back to back on short rest after the game at Dallas. Right, and Seattle's off a bye. Like, yeah. Seattle won the schedule lottery when it comes to the Cardinals, yeah, without a you. doubt. You know, and could the Niners maybe slip up that Week 16 game? Like, And that's, I got to say, right, it's basically how I would look at this is it's all to play for in those last three weeks. Mm -hmm. But it's the Eagles, the Niners, and the Rams, yeah. three very, very good teams. I think there's a lot of volatility in yeah. this schedule, right? And the thing is, who are the Cardinals? Could the Cardinals win some of these games? Yeah. I think there's variance. I can see them 10 and 6. I can see them 6 and 10. Very interesting for the Arizona Cardinals. We'll go deeper in the fantasy side and talk production. Diamonds and Fugazis for the Cardinals. They're on deck. Keep it locked right here. We're going to give you the edge. It's the early line on SportsGrid.
SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, to the early line here on SportsGrid. Kevin and I have been going around the Arizona Cardinals, who is, you know, there's a lot of buzz around this team. I would almost equate this team, maybe not fully, but the idea of like what the Browns were last year, right? Young developing quarterback, a lot of buzz. You know, we know they have a ton of weapons. Like, is DeAndre Hopkins not the Odell Beckham role, right? An amazing top five wideout that gets added to the offense, you know, um, a head coach that's a player's coach, you know, trying to take that step. But the question is, how much of this is real or are they going to defecate the mattress with the expectation in the same way that Cleveland kind of did? I'm going to tell you something. I think Kyla Murray, I think Kenyon Drake, I think this team is saying all the right things, doing all the right things. We don't hear them out in front, right? Kyla Murray's not in GQ magazines talking about what they're going to do this year. So, you know, I do think it's a little bit different. I'm high on the Cardinals. I'm excited to see yeah. how this breaks out. Do you think the buzz has gone too far, though, for the Cards? I got to say, Dan, I could have done without that analogy. Boy, did that Why? send shivers down my spine. Why? Because last year, I was very excited for the Browns. Right. And I also said I thought Odell would lead the league in touchdowns. Uh-oh. So here yeah, I am now. Over eight and a half on D-Hop. So now here I am saying Hopkins might lead the league in touchdowns, excited about an offense. Yeah. Oh, no, they're going to be terrible. <laughs> well, the question is, do you have more trust in Cliff Kingsbury than you did in Freddie Kitchens? God, yes, of course I do. I mean, so how I could you? that's a difference. I think that is what a real happy. You know, someone will do a 30 for 30, a 15-part <laughs> documentary on what happened in Cleveland yeah. last year. Man. But it won't happen for years. And I want to see the taping of some progressive curse marshals in there as well. But let's look at the Cardinals because I think there's some very interesting players on this yeah. Cardinals team. And, you know, I'm going to backtrack a little bit on something I always say. We talk about waiting on quarterback, Kevin. We talk Ooh. about waiting on quarterback. Kyla Murray is very intriguing to me this year. He is very intriguing to me this year. I mean, the man ran for 500 yards last year. Think about all the Lamar love, right? And when I say I'm going to go safe and upside when I'm going to wait on quarterback – yeah. I don't know if I'm going to pull the trigger on Kyler Murray earlier than in others, right? And here's the other thing. And people, if you play in a ton of leagues like I do, right? Mm -hmm. I'm in like seven or eight teams, okay, which is – it's a ton. And last year, I, I kid you not, um, ironically, I had the first overall pick in a number of leagues, okay, yeah. last year. And I couldn't just take – I couldn't take Saquon everywhere, right? Because I was like mm. – mm, then I'm too, I'm too, you know, pot committed on Saquon. Right. You know? And if he went down, which he ultimately did, it would undercut all of my teams, right? Mm -hmm. So in one league where I had the number one overall pick, I traded out of it. Okay. I traded out of it with a guy who was, I think, the third pick. I wound up with Kamara, you know, because I needed to diversify. And what I'm saying is, in my weight on quarterback approach. I'm gonna have a lot of quarterbacks that are quarterback 11, 12, 13. I know that. But yeah. when I diversify, the way I'm going to do it is taking a shot on Kyler Murray with better draft capital. I think Kyler Murray is ready to take that step. I think he could get into tier one for next year. I know there's so much hype and buzz, but I'm on the gravy train. For me, Kyler Murray will be like the only quarterback that I decide to grab earlier. Um, him and maybe Josh Allen. As mm. kind of quarterbacks that are like seven, eight, nine that I might take instead of just waiting for the 11, 12, you know, quarterback 14 and being happy with it. I know I espouse weight on quarterback. Kyler Murray could be the one for me that at least when I diversify, mm -hmm. I take a shot a little bit earlier on. So I'm trying to figure out in my head is Kyler quarterback six? It's quarterback. He's quarterback five. He's ahead of Deshaun Watson. He's ahead of Watson. Okay. Okay. It goes right now. Lamar, Patty, Dak, Russell, mm -hmm. and Kyler. Watson, number six. Interestingly enough, all six of them, African-American. What mm. do you know? Crazy but Kyler Murray is QB five right now. Um, see, that's the thing with the Kyler. So yeah. it's very funny when you try and have conversations. Like, I don't know if you co-own a team with anybody, right? 
But, you know, we will talk throughout the year about the team, right? And you'll have conversations before you see any ADP rankings. So you'd think, man, I'm ahead of the curve. I think this is a good year for me to get Dak. It's a good year for me to get Kyler. And then you find out the quarterback three and five, and you're like, you got to be. That's the way I feel about Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, right? I was like, I'm going to be ahead of the curve. But now it's out out of the box. So eh, I agree with you. And that's where I view Kyler Murray. That's where I view Josh Allen as well. But that's where they are. You know, the, the world has adjusted. Kyler, to me, if I can offer someone a strat, I mean, you want to talk about a very uh, small uh, window of fans I'm going for here. But if you're playing in a home league that does a live draft, you might be able to steal Kyler Murray. Why is that? I just, because a lot of them like to use, the one that I'm in, um, they're all using their books, and they never know how to value the quarterbacks appropriately, and they just trust old guys. Like, I know Rodgers in that league, Rodgers is coming off the board before Kyler, but like, Breeze and Brady also might be coming off the board for Kyler. Interesting. So again, like it's up to the league. It's a league. It's again, it's, it's my buddy's family. A lot of them are a little bit older, but different things. So basically if you happen to be in the one league, I'm referencing my league, Maybe you're steal Kyler. I'm also probably just saying that to hope it's true. But yeah, he's totally hey, worried. Fair enough, but Kevin, if any of the people in that league want a co-owner, yeah. I'm I'm available. No, no. I'm available. No. Well, you don't want to bring another shark in the water? Fine. No. I understand. You have to, oh, Dane, you got to see though. It's the best because we sit there, right? We have our rankings like pulled up because we don't want to say a name that way. The other people will then start yeah, to say names. That's the one. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm like, hey, what do you think about 34? And he's like, I don't know. I was looking at 26. And then right. the people are like, they're talking in code, man. What's going on with these two? <laughs> they're like, so I can't have you coming in there and being like, oh, I do the show with Kevin. I know exactly what he's looking for. <laughs> Fair and- enough. You know, and that has happened. I, for the first time last year, you know, I talk about the stats overbeat cipher all the time, right? And uh, we did a league. And, you know, I, I, I thought it was going to be tough to fill. Within within 30 minutes, I had people PayPaling me money, being like, "I'm I'm in, I'm in." Right. And the thing is, everybody though is a fan and listener of me and Fantasy Freestyle, right. so they knew exactly where I was going. One team even named their team Speeds is Fugazis, <laughs> you know. And by the way, he I finished in the, in the bottom of the league. But I digress. Um, we can have a similar conversation, I believe, about Kenyon Drake at the running back position. Right? He is. We've named him a bunch. He is at the back end of RB1 territory right now, above your boy, Miles Sanders, at running back 11. Here's the way I feel about him, okay? I understand people drafting him in, like, the late second round, early third round, targeting him because of this offense, what he did when he came over there. I get it. He's just not going to be on my team's. Okay, when I see the other guys around him, I'm going to lean towards an Austin Eckler, a Miles Sanders, uh, a Josh Jacobs over Kenyon Drake just because I haven't seen it so much. All right. And if he pops off and becomes RB4 this year, I tip my cap. Enjoy your production. Yeah. I mean, so I look at I look at what he did last year. Right. And that first game, he takes 15 carries, turns it into 110 yards and a touchdown against the Niners. Then the next four games. Not great. 35 yards, 67 yards, 31 yards, 37 yards, and not a touchdown in any of those games. There was some passing work, not a ton. Then he plays Cleveland, 22 carries, 137 yards, and four touchdowns. Mm -hmm. Right? That's the Kenyon Drake game. He followed that up with 24 yards, 166 yards, and two touchdowns, which was ridiculous. Then the final game of the season, 60 yards and a touchdown. Like, the thing is... If I had to tell you one of those is going to be significantly more more what you will get than the rest, mm-hmm. it'd be the bad games. Because those top games are crazy. I, I mean, yeah. that's, we've not seen that from right. Kenyon Drake before. We're talking Derrick Henry stuff, right? 166 and 2. 137 and 4 touchdowns, people. Right? right? Like, just, that was inflated. He had a season's worth of production in, like, three games. And, and don't get me wrong. It's possible, yeah. right? Sure. But guess what? You know, DeAndre Hopkins is going to be a big piece of this pie coming in, right? And so, you know, look at some of the passing game work. You know, if you have his game log up also, you know, listen, six catches against the Niners, four for 52 against the Niners, you know, three for 23. That's legitimate production. That's another three, four points that may not be there. I'm with you. I think he's 
I think he's a legitimate RB2, but he's being drafted as a back-end RB1. So he's, relatively speaking, someone I'm going to forget about. He also had an opportunity. He somehow had six catches for six yards, and then the next week followed up with six catches for 13 yards. I don't know. He basically – that's the reason why people don't like PPR format, which is why I somewhat understand what they're talking about when it comes to that that equating to six points. is so ridiculous. Yeah, I I think I'll pass. on Kenyon, I just think there's guys I'll trust more. Whether whether it be me talking yeah. myself into them or they're more reliable, Kenyon is just not going to really land on a lot of my teams. He's someone I'll be more intrigued to try and pick a spot in a DFS lineup with. I think. I than, think that's the right. All play. Of that. And he may be in a DFS lineup again, like you said. He has pop off weeks, so maybe the best ball format. One other player yeah. I want to mention because I mentioned him in our rookie running backs, and he was an off the radar guy. Eno Benjamin is now in this room as well, along with Chase Edmonds. He was at Arizona State, so they saw all his game film and they liked him. I could see a little bit of PPR kind of value as that change mm-hmm. of pace. He's that he's that uh, Justin Rieger type, right? Who can do a lot of scat action. Mm-hmm. Um, just don't forget. Uh, David Johnson's not there, so there yeah. is potential for Kenyon Drake. I think the wide receiver position is very yeah. interesting. Okay, D Hop, we know is there, right? He's going as wide out five. We all know if you're not drafting him on the turn or late round one, you ain't getting yeah. him. Okay, so you're making your decision on D Hop. Mm-hmm. For me, the intriguing one is Christian Kirk. The intriguing okay. one is Christian Kirk for me because. Everyone, you know, we just gave all the platitudes to Larry Fitzgerald, right? Yep. But is Larry Fitzgerald still really Larry Fitzgerald? Or has Christian Kirk leapfrogged him? That is the big question for me. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying the answer is 100% yes, but I think the answer is closer to yes than the public would ever admit. And so I think he may be a diamond. I'll get you their uh, ratings right now and ranks. Yeah. D-Hop is up at five. What do you think about Kirk and Fitzgerald? I know, obviously, the Hall of Fame name is going to ring bells, mm-hmm. especially in your kind of like home leagues. Yeah. But to me, that's why Kirk is a diamond. He missed some time last year also. You know, people may forget about him. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what, what people want to do with Larry Fitz. So Larry Fitz was this thing like, ah, we forgot about him, right? Then 2015, 109 catches. Follows that up with a buck 07 and then 109. And at that point, you get into 2018, everyone was like, oh, this is a thing. I can trust it. And then he had 69 catches. He comes back down to earth. Last year, he only had 75. The only two targets separated him and Kirk last year. It'll be interesting to see just how many guys will be viable in this receiving core. It's probably a scenario where I will take the Dane Martinez approach and take whichever Ah. one's going last. I mean, I'll take Hopkins, but of the two of them, it's crazy. Kirk is 40. Fitzgerald is 71. You know which one you're drafting. Ridiculous. Although, last point I'll make. Kirk and Kyler Murray, college teammates before the transfer at Texas A&M. Well, that's been it on the Cardinals. We keep going on the NFC West tomorrow. Hope you'll join us. It's another edition of the Early SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.